A professor of surgery died and went to heaven and arrived at the pearly gates. And the gatekeeper who was there said to him, Is there some sin that you committed in life that you now regret? And he said, Yes. When I was a candidate and was working at the hospital of St. Lucas, we competed against the community hospital in soccer. And I made a kick that went into the goal, but it was offside. However, the referee didn't see it, and so we were awarded that goal and we won the game. And I regret that. The gatekeeper heard him and said, well, yes, that's not right, but it's not too major of a sin. You can come in. As the professor was passing by the gatekeeper, he said, thank you, St. Peter. And the gatekeeper said, oh, I'm not St. Peter. St. Peter's on lunch break. I'm St. Lucas. We are uncomfortable about talking about sin. It's one of those subjects that's hard to make sense of, and so we would rather not discuss it at all. But sin is really about missing the mark. That's what the word means. And as people, we undeniably do. It is unavoidable because we are not perfect. In our humanity, we attempt to do what's right, and a good deal of the time may just do that, do what's right. But frequently, we miss the mark. There are three ways we tend to respond to our sinfulness. One is in blame and shame. This is what you see in the story of the Garden of Eden. When God enters the garden, looking to be with Adam and Eve, and he can't find them. But when he does, he asks them what has changed, and they realize that they were naked, and so they look to cover themselves, and God says to them, how did you know? And they said, well, we ate of that tree. And Adam says, she told me I could. And Eve says, the snake told me I could. Blame is one way that we address our sinfulness. It's because of what they did or what they didn't do that I did that. We find a person, a person that we can blame. Our shame is so big that we look for a way to unload it, and that's what we do in blaming another. It's because of their actions or their inactions that I'm in this spot. So blame and shame is one way that we handle sin. Another way is that we hide. We hide our sinfulness. We hide ourselves from God. You also see that in the creation story. Adam and Eve hide themselves from God. This is what we do when our burden of sinfulness is too great. We put it somewhere in a drawer, in a corner, somewhere out of our peripheral vision so that we don't have to be reminded of our wrongdoing. We hide it from God. I know that when I have heard private confessions, I have encouraged people to say exactly what it is they would like to confess, to not be general about it. A general thing might be, well, how I treated my sister. Okay, what was it? Say what you did. Because we hide things from ourselves. Perhaps we feel so badly about, in this example, how we treated our sister that we don't even want to say it out loud. 
it feels too much of a burden to us. So one of the things we do with our sin is we hide it, and we attempt to hide it from God. Another way that we might deal with our sin is by focusing on our inadequacies. This is my personal favorite, where you recognize what it is that you did wrong, and so you say, I'm not going to do that again, and you keep it in front of you so that you don't do it again. But we know that whatever you're focused on is that which you are drawn toward, right? This is one of the very first rules in driving. Keep your eye on the road so that you go in the right direction. If your attention is over here or over there, you're going to go over here or over there. One beautiful illustration of this is when people say, you know, I'm really working on not being so egocentric. I'm working on not being egocentric. I'm working on it. Well, just by the nature of the sentence, you see the futility of the effort. By focusing on our inadequacies, we actually repeat them. And then we feel burdened by our wrongdoing again. We put the weight, more weight on ourselves, because next time we're not going to do it wrong. We're going to do it right. And it repeats over and over. There are three ways that we deal with our sinfulness. Blame and shame, hiding from God, or focusing on our inadequacies. The first letter of John reminds us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Because sin is a wrongdoing. It's missing the mark. And by the nature of being human, it happens. The good news is that God takes our wrongdoings unto himself. He absorbs them. He relieves us of the burden of our shame. He reveals and exposes it all in the light, and we see that we don't have to hide from him. He reminds us of who we truly are, a child of God, not the sum of our inadequacies. In all three of those examples, Jesus takes unto himself our sinfulness and reminds us of where it is that we need to be focused, on him if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and restore us to righteousness. Does this sound familiar? We said it every Sunday during Lent before we did our confession. Remembering that God forgives us of our sins, removes from us the yoke of our wrongdoings, and places upon us a yoke of righteousness that actually is liberating, that calls us into a place of where we are truest, draws us into a life of fullness. We are reminded of this good news in this first letter of John. The first letter of John is not written by the same gospel, the per same person that wrote the gospel of John. It came several years after John's gospel. But the theme that is reflected in 1 John and in all of the letters of John, there are three of them, carries forth the theme of the community of the beloved disciple as we see it reflected in John's gospel. That God came, Christ came, that we would have life and have it abundantly. Those words are in John's gospel. That God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send God's Son into the world in order that the world might be condemned by him, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Those are the words in John's Gospel. Loving his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Those are the words in John's Gospel. God takes our wrongdoings, our sinfulness unto himself, in order that the gap, the divide between the magnitude of the divinity and the humility of humanity might be eliminated. And we are one, one with God in Christ. That is the good news. That is the good news that we remember in this Easter season. That is the good news we are invited to live into. So we can confess our sinfulness because God, who is faithful and just, has already forgiven us, drawing us into himself in the resurrected Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.